Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God, glory to God. I want to talk to you, Pastor Angela's going to teach here in just a few minutes, but I want to talk to you for just a few minutes before she comes up. And, uh, and talk to you about uh, testimonies and praise reports. As revival continues to grow, we will be having more and more people with testimonies and things that are on their heart they want to share, praise reports and so forth. Uh, and so it's going to be necessary for us to, to understand a few uh, ground rules, so, so to speak. Uh, when, you, when you give a testimony, uh, five minutes uh, is, is the tops. And that doesn't mean you have to go five minutes. It means that that's the tops. You can say a lot in five minutes. And really five minutes is pretty long. Uh, but like I said, that's tops. Uh, if you've ever noticed, uh, uh, Jackie Benefield, is she in here tonight? She gives the best testimonies, not just in the content, but in the way she does it. She's concise. She's to the point. And usually it's just a, a, a moment or two. She just gets to the facts, tells the testimony, and, and she's done. And everybody is blessed. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows what, what the testimony was. And every now and then, you know, if she feels like she needs to go a little bit longer than that, she might come down the front. But she's still uh, very, very brief. She doesn't go even five minutes, I mean, hardly ever that I remember. Uh, and so that's important to remember. Uh, if, if I wanted you to teach or preach, I would have asked you. I'll say that again. Maybe I can get a little more laughter. If I ask you to teach or preach, if, if, if I didn't ask you to teach or preach, then don't teach or preach. All right? Is everybody okay? Uh, and that goes for Pastor Greg or Pastor Angela. If we didn't ask you to teach or preach, don't presume that we want you to. Okay? In order to do, to do a good testimony, rehearse, prepare, and practice. Practice, re rehearse what you're going to say in, in your thinking. Uh, prepare what you're going to say. Sometimes it's good even if, if you're real nervous, you know, to, to jot, jot down, I want to say these things. These are the points I want to make. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to do that, but, but you should prepare before you get up and, and say what is on your heart, but get to the point. And if necessary, before you come to church, practice it. You know, just uh, practice how you're going to say it. Uh, Decide what the point is in your testimony, state it clearly, but summarize the, deals, the, the details leading up to it. A lot of times uh, there are a lot of things that impacted you leading up to a testimony, and it's really very dear to you and very important to you, but it's not necessary for the sake of the testimony that, we, that, uh, that you tell all of that. Uh, and so the things that are that are pertinent and relevant and that if you didn't tell it it wouldn't it, the testimony wouldn't come out right it wouldn't you wouldn't people wouldn't get what you're saying you know say those things summarize you getting what I'm saying summarize uh, the details leading up to it and then uh, that's number five number one be brief five minutes two if I didn't ask you to teach or preach then don't number three rehearse prepare practice Four, decide what the point is, state it clearly, summarize the details leading up to it. Number five, 
be sensitive to the flow of the service. Uh, the, there's, a, there's a divine flow, a Holy Spirit-led flow in a service. And when the Holy Spirit is moving a certain way in worship or in whatever's going on, uh, be sensitive to the flow of the servant, service. Will your testimony or your prophecy, this encompasses more than that, uh, or your exhortation, you feel like you have something you, you want to share you know, with the church, uh, be sensitive to whether or not your testimony or your exhortation or prophecy uh, will keep the flow alive or will it quench it and change the order of the service. You, you don't want to change the flow of the service. Are you following me on that? So be, be sensitive. There is, a, there is a, a Holy Spirit flow and be, a, be aware of that and don't do something that... Now see, I've been up here five minutes. That's, that's quite a bit of time. And so, I mean, I should be able to have completed a testimony and told the whole thing in less time than this. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, that's number five. Number six, now if the anointing comes upon you and you sense the prompting of the Spirit to go further... Just be aware that you are not the only one who can judge the presence of the anointing. Amen. Amen. Uh, in, in testimony services as they were conducted years ago in Pentecostal services, started out as prophesying, started out as people being led by the Spirit just to, to speak out words of prophecy. And... The backslidden, watered-down version of that is church testimonies, testimony services, where everybody just gets up and you gives a testimony. It's not particularly anointed of the Holy Ghost. But, but I've been in services where people will get up to testify, and when they start testifying, you can tell the Holy Ghost comes on them. And then they begin saying things that they hadn't thought to say, and if there's just a flow. That's the, that's, that's the prophetic anointing. Well, you want to yield to that. You know, how many of you have noticed the times that Brother Doug's gotten up to give the announcements and he began to exhort? You could tell it was just the Holy Ghost. Amen? Well, uh, we, want, we want to encourage that. But again, uh, be, be careful and be aware and just always know that you're not the only one who can discern whether or not it's anointed. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So tonight we're going to be talking about healing again. Last week we talked about healing as it pertains to revival, the fact that healing is a part of revival. And God wants to show himself in a strong way during times of revival. And, you know, we, we have to get to a place where we expect to see those things. And we have to, to come to a place where we don't look at anything as too hard, too difficult, too outrageously uh, out there that God can't fix because he can fix it. He put it in place to start with. He can fix it. What the devil tried to, to make into something bad, God can always fix that. You know, we need to get to the place where we're bold. You know, Mark's talking about, you know, his testimony. A great example, you know, of uh, you know, maybe a little lack of boldness. <laughs> but we've all done the same thing. And so last week, we, you know, I encouraged you at the end of the service just to get more bold, just like they prayed in the book of Acts, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal and with signs and words and with all boldness that your servants will speak your word. But tonight, we want to talk about healing for you. And um, I may cover some of the same ground that we, that we covered last week. That's okay because we never get to a place where we haven't heard it, that we've heard it too much, Okay. 
You know, the Bible talks about building precept upon precept, line upon line. You know, and Paul said, I, I pray again for you till Christ be formed in you. You know, it takes, it takes repetition for us to be established in the truths that God has placed in his word. We don't hear it just one time and go, oh, I got it. That's not the way that works. You know, you may have some light, you know, but I tell you what, every time you hear it, more light comes. And the, when you leave this place, the enemy is out there to try to take away from you the light that you have received. You know, just in the natural things, you know, there's studies that say that for you to, be, for you to really learn something, you have to hear it seven times for it to become established in, in your thought life that, you, okay, you know this, you know this, you know this. And if you've heard it wrong, that you have to hear it seven times to get that out of you and seven more times to get it in you. And yet, still I see, you know, just it, it comes, you know, with just experience, knowing myself and knowing, knowing people, knowing people who've been in the church, having pastored for all these years. I can tell you that tradition in and of itself gets so deeply entrenched in us that even 14 times it's not enough. It's just not. Because I will still hear come out of my own mouth sometimes uh, some things I'm going I don't even believe that why did I even say that not like you guys haven't done the same thing right and I hear it here too things I've heard I have heard that had been taught from this pulpit over and over and over and over and over and over again somebody will say something that absolutely totally 100% contradicts just what they were taught and I'm going, were you here? Did you hear that? Were you asleep? I don't know. But it's because tradition gets so on in the inside of us. And, you know, the old what will be will be kind of thing. Oh, no. What will be can change if I put the word of God to it. It will be if, unless I change it with the word. Unless I believe God that it will be what it will be. But see, that doesn't pertain to the things of God. You know, when the enemy comes in our direction, then we have to understand things will change because the Word says they will change. And so those are things we just have to get out of, out of us. But healing is something we have to become firmly established in. Firmly established. Firmly established. I remember Brother Wally Redwine. Most of you probably don't remember him. He, he went on home to be with the Lord a number of years ago. And he said, you know, he, we call him Wally Newhart because God had given him a new heart. And uh, God had brought him out miraculously out of a, what should have been um, a, a, a totally devastating and fatal stroke. God brought, I mean, delivered him out of that totally. And he told me one time, he said, I have a low tolerance for sickness. See, we have to become to come to a place where we have a low tolerance for sickness. And the only way we can have a low tolerance is to understand just what God has done for us in the area of healing and become firmly established in it. Uh, there are so many things that, that the enemy wants to, to use to distract us, and sickness is sometimes a way he wants to use to distract us. 
you know, we're going about our business. We've got, we've got, I mean, we're, we're focused on something that we, that God has told us to do, that a plan that God has, has given to us, something he's, he's imparted to us that we know this is, this is something I have to get done. This is where I'm going. And he'll use sickness to distract you from fulfilling the plan, the purpose of God for your life. He will. He, he'll not only use it just to distract you from getting those things done, he'll use it to destroy your finances. He'll use it to attack your family. I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever been a caretaker of someone who's seriously ill. But see, that takes a toll on a family. You know what? If we can avoid those kind of things, we should. Now, I know there are people who like to be sick. They like, for some crazy reason, the attention that it brings. But no believer should ever want to be sick. No believer should ever find themselves enjoying that little place where somebody pets me. Hallelujah. Somebody's looking after me. Oh, I can get, I can get some extra attention this way if I'm sick. I, I, I have, a, have a sibling that when we were growing up, she had asthma. I know she had asthma. You know, I, I'm not sure she did. But it was, it was amazing to me how when it was just me and her in the room, her breathing was just fine. As soon as she heard my mother coming, suddenly, <gasps> and I'm going, really? I mean, I'm nine years old going, what are you doing? There's some believers out there who do the same thing. That should not be. We should not get to the place where we use sickness as a tool to get somebody else's attention or to get some extra, you know, a little creed here from somebody, you know, or, or, a, or a, um, a pass on something. Well, I don't feel good. So what? It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has everything to do with the fact that God has healed you. And healed people don't act wimpy. Heal people say, well, I can't because of this. Now, I tell you what, I, I have had some of the same symptoms that some of the rest of you have had. I mean, I, I, took, a, I took a real spill um, right after Pastor got home from the hospital, and I worked through that thing. And then a couple weeks ago, I took another spill in the garage. And uh, I said, well, at least I came down on the most padded part of my body. <laughs> I will not elaborate as to what that is. <laughs> but I tell you what, I had to work through that. I had started doing some walking and some exercising at home, and I got out to, to go out there and, and do that one morning, and things hurt. And I went, no, 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 uh-uh. I am not, not going to give in to this thing. And the more I walked, the better it felt. See, we can't afford to give in to symptoms. We can't afford to give in to, to sickness unless, unless you just don't care about being healed. But if you want to walk in his healing, you have got to get to a place where you get beyond the symptoms and you look beyond it and act like a healed person. Amen. So I got out a wonderful book. I don't know how many, I don't, I, this may be the only one in the bookstore because I left home without getting one off the shelf at home. This is an excellent book. I will recommend it to you. If anybody needs one, I will be happy to order more. But this is called Heal, bodily Healing and the Atonement by T.J. McCrossan. And so I basically took some of his, his material here today as I sat down talking to talk about healing tonight. And he puts in this book, he puts out six reasons why every believer should expect to be healed. Six reasons. 
and they're involved reasons. And so there's a lot to say about each one of these reasons. But number one, because God healed in the Old Testament and he has not changed. Well, did he heal in the Old Testament or didn't he? Let, look, let's look at Exodus 15, 16. I can tell you we're not going to get very far tonight. This, that means next week we can just continue it. Amen. I want to get, see, the enemy is ready to attack at any time. And you need to just be prepared for him. And that's why we're going to be talking about, about healing. And pastor's talking on Sunday is about faith. I mean, the two, it's, it's, a, it's a great combination right now. So Exodus chapter 15. And let's see. Highland, 15 and 26. And he says, If thou shalt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. One of the very first, the first place that God revealed himself as the great I am. And he added onto that what I am was. This part of the I am is I am your healer. I'm the God that healeth thee. And you look at this, you go, well, he says, I'll put none of these diseases on you. Listen, this actually should read, I will permit none of these diseases upon you. I'll permit none. I will not allow them to come upon you. See, that's a different take than the way I was brought up. You know, to think that God put things on people. God does not put sickness on anybody. Sickness comes, but that is not God's doing. John 10, 10 clearly states that it's the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's, that's okay. Um, Exodus 23, 25, you're close by. Glory to God. The latter, well, let's just read it. And it says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in your day, in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. I've heard it said over the years, Oh, well, you know, God's got our days numbered. He knows when it's our time. Listen, I can find some scripture that says, With long life I will satisfy you. We talked last week about a verse where Abraham was old and full of years. That means he was satisfied. Are you satisfied? God's not going to take you anywhere until you're satisfied, if you'll believe him for that. Amen. Go with me to um, Psalm 105, verse 37. One oh five. This is an example of how he dealt with the children of Israel. Verse 37, he said, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. People have always estimated the number of, of the Jews that left Egypt in the 6 million range. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but can you imagine Six million people, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. That is truly amazing. Can you get 60 people together? 
and be able to say there was not one feeble amongst them. That is the truth today. Because we've come to accept just being sick, getting old, wearing out. Seems to me that Moses, when he died, said his eye was, eye was not dimmed. The man was full of strength. And he was old. He was full of strength. Listen, this is what God did in the Old Testament. And if you go with me to uh, Hebrews 8, 6. Hebrews 8, 6. It says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. By much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Any covenant that was available to these people in the Old Testament, you can see the results of it. And yet we have a better covenant. Go back to Psalm 105. No, 103. I've got my finger in 105 still, so I'm just going to go back. And we talked a little bit about 103 last week. Ah, it's so good to read. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, O my soul, means it really refers to every part of your being. Every part of your being. It's not just coming up out, I've got a praise in my heart. No, 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 no. You've got a praise on your heart. In your heart, you got to, you got, you should have something coming out of your mouth at the same time. All of you should be involved in blessing the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with tender, with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let me tell you. The word disease used in verse 3, according to McCrossan, that word is used nine times in the Septuagint and 12 times in the New Testament, and it always means physical disease. So don't let anybody ever tell you that that was just a spiritual thing. No, he meant physically. Physically. That's what he was dealing with. He was dealing with physical diseases. And the word for healing Healeth, in verse 3, is used 28 times in the New Testament, and it means physical healing. Not spiritual healing, but physical healing. Now, that word, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I, I bow to Brother McCrossin's you know, work as a Greek scholar, and this is what he says about that. Because the expression, who redeemeth, really means the one constantly redeeming. It's an ongoing thing. The use of the present participle here teaches the blessed truth that God is now constantly employed in keeping life in our bodies, keeping our hearts beating, something that we have nothing whatsoever to do with. We know this redemption is going on now. It literally reads, the one redeeming your life from destruction or decay, the one crowning you with mercy and compassion, the one satisfying your desire with good things. It's an ongoing process. Isn't that nice to know that as I get older, it's an ongoing process. As I go through life, it's an ongoing process. 
He is constantly at work in my body, redeeming my life from destruction. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. You know, you, you, when you find out certain things, certain aspects of, of certain words, I mean, it just opens up new avenues to you. And you look at it in such a different way. Who redeems my life from destruction? And then we go, oh, yeah, that, that's good. But you don't stop and think of it as an ongoing process that he is constantly making manifest in your body. When you don't feel well, when you don't feel healed, you know that God is constantly ongoing, redeeming you and, and, and satisfying your life with good things. That, he, that healing is constantly at work in you. Hallelujah. I tell you, and he's not changed Numbers 23, 19, because for the sake of time, I won't have you turn there. It says that God is not a man that he should lie. Malachi 3, 6 says, I change not. And then Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. His character has not changed. Nothing you can do will change his character. And so, number one, we can believe God for our healing because he healed in the Old Testament and he's not changed. And we have a better covenant in the New Testament. Hallelujah. Um, number two, we talked about this some last week. We can, know, we, can, we can know for sure that God has healing available for us because Jesus died to atone for our sicknesses as well as our sins. You know, go with me to Isaiah again. We, we were there last week, and we'll just go back there again. Um, Isaiah 53. Glory to God. Verse 4. Hallelujah. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him, esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. You know, that we said last week, if you have a newer translation than the old King James, yours will probably read, he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. Some people say, well, that's figurative, you know, that's spiritually speaking. No, that is literal. That is physical healing. He physically carried your physical sickness, your physical pain on the cross. Matthew, 20, or Matthew uh, 8, 16 is a recounting of this. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, well, we'll just go to 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Listen, if we had any idea of what the price was that he paid, uh, how could we not believe that he intended to heal us? You know, there's, there's descriptions that you can get of the scourging that he took, you know, and, and how it was, it was a typical Roman thing to do and how most people died during that scourging. 
They, they do, couldn't survive it, and yet Jesus did. In the shape he was in, in the, in, the, in the mess his body was in, blood was shed. And with each one of those scourgings, with each one of those stripes, it was for healing. It was for my healing and for your healing. He endured those things for you and me. We cannot begin to imagine how awful that was for him, how awful it would have been for anyone. But he took it knowing that it wasn't on his own behalf. It was on our behalf. That's what makes it so different. That blood he shed right there was for our healing, our physical healing. And the, and the rest of the blood he shed on the cross was for our salvation. Listen, you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate them. What Jesus did for salvation, he did for healing. And just like there are, he intended salvation for all, he intended healing for all. There are no exceptions to salvation. There's nobody that he would say, no, I, I didn't shed my blood for you. No, 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 no. Everybody else is good, but, but you, no, no, no. You, you, you can't become a child of God because, uh, no, I didn't shed my blood for you. He would never say that. Never. By the same token, you can never look at God and expect him to say anything other than, yes, my child, you are healed. There are no exceptions to that. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what state you find yourself in, healing belongs to you. It was provided for you at the cross. It was provided. All he did on his, in his work, the atonement that he made for our sins, he made for every part of us. Every part of us. You know, it, wasn't, it would have been enough you know, when, when you stop to look at it, I think Steve Green said this on Sunday, if Jesus had just died just so that I could get to heaven, that would be wonderful. But he also wanted to make sure that the life I live in the flesh was blessed. That I was blessed coming in and blessed going out. That there was no way that I had, would have to live in this life subject to this world and subject to the enemy who is the God of this world at the moment. He didn't want me in that place. And so he provided an avenue so that my life was blessed in every area. And he knew that our physical bodies would be the main place that the enemy would attack us. And he provided healing for every single one of us. And we have to keep in mind that it has nothing to do with whether you deserve it or not. It has nothing to do with your actions I remember one time I got angry. This was a lot of years ago. Got angry and hauled off and kicked something and broke my big toe. And some I came to church and going, "What's the matter? I'm going to broke my toe." Well, let's pray for it. No, I deserve everything I got. And you know what? Later, the Lord reminded me that's not true. That's not true. Too many people are out there, believers are out there, who think they have to be sick because, after all, I, I failed God so many times. After all, I've done so many things that, that I've had to ask for forgiveness for, and I'm still not in a place where, where I've cleaned up myself. It has nothing to do with what you deserve. It has everything to do with the fact that Jesus gave you his righteousness, and you are complete and clean in him and you can go to the father and expect healing to be yours all the time not because you deserve it but because he deserved it 
and he made you a part of him. He exchanged all of our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. All of our, our filthy rags, he gave us something brand new to wear. I tell you, we're clothed in his righteousness, and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And that's why we can believe God for our healing. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.